Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. soldiers of Christ Jesus. This means war. Welcome back, everybody. I want to uh, begin with a shout out to our troops in New Brunswick. If you're watching Church Online, Morristown, welcome. We're in uh, week two of our new series, Call of Duty, in which we're kind of taking a look at the sometimes jarring reality that in many ways the Christian life is a battle. When you decide to give your life to Jesus Christ, the idea here is that you're enlisted in God's service and you join the kind of global army of servant warriors who are really serving on the front lines of ministry and breaking in the kingdom of God across the state around the world. And the idea that the Christian life is not a cakewalk, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. It's not just a struggle at times, in fact, it's a battle. Have you ever felt that way? That from the moment you wake up, your faith, your family is under fire. They're being opposed, they're plotted against, and and some of you may be like, well, that's sort of dramatic and borderline paranoid. Uh, I get you, uh, you know, you're kind of like, I don't know, I get the metaphor, okay, soldier in God's army, but that's not what following Jesus really means, is it? I mean, the Christian life is supposed to be, you know, peaceful, polite, we go to church, you know, we, we listen to Star 99.1, safe for the whole family. Uh, you know, I know, I get, life's a battle, I'm a warrior, it seems overblown if you ask me, really. Let me ask you a question. In fact, let's say that you wake up tomorrow morning and you find yourself, you're lying in the middle of a field, you wake up, you're actually in a ditch and you realize I'm not in Jersey anymore. And as you sit up, you notice something strange. For starters, you can't see because there's actually a a helmet over your head and you're like, what's happening here? And you touch your chest and it bangs and you realize you're wearing like a flak jacket or something. And, and, and your feet are, are really heavy and you look down, you're actually not wearing flip-flops, you're wearing a pair of combat boots. And as you get up, you kind of get jabbed in the ribs by your tilly belt because you, you got actually, what's on the side, a weapon, a bayonet. If you were to suddenly wake up in that story, helmet, flak, jacket, boots, sword, what would you assume the story is about? Is this a romantic comedy? No, this is a war story. And what's your role? You're a soldier. And you may think that's far-fetched. But actually, that's the reality that Scripture says is precisely the point that you wake up to every day of your life. Take out your field manual, would you? I'm talking about our Bible. You can turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and you'll see this is not my invention. This is the Apostle Paul who gives believers this instruction. He says this, put on the full what? Armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our battle, 
is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And you may be like freaking out if you're new to church. You're like, oh, this gets like really spiritual warfare stuff. One of the most basic assumptions of the Bible, the Christian life, is that you and me, people who we love, are in this battle. And it's not a physical one with bombs or bullets. It's not a struggle against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We have a real enemy actually named Satan, the same demonic power that Jesus himself waged war on when he invaded this earth 2,000 years ago. With his first coming, we talked about D-Day. Jesus established this beachhead. He called it the kingdom of God. And on the cross, he conquered Satan, sin, and death forever by dying in our place. But here's the deal. It was D-Day. He was on a rescue mission. The kingdom is now coming, but it's not fully here yet. Jesus actually left. He's going to return a second time and declare victory and usher in and establish his full kingdom. But for now, he says, it's up to you. He says, I'm recruiting all of you. I'm sending each of you to battle now for the hearts and minds of those you love and announce my kingdom of love to this dying world. So that's where we find ourselves in God's story. We are now living in a war zone. It's the time between D-Day, the invasion, and V-Day, the victory, when it's fully established. So our battle is still hot, to use a military term. Anybody who sides with God, the Bible says, actually comes under attack, which is why scripture counsels, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to what? To stand. Stand your ground. You're going to be charged. There's more going on in your life than meets the eye. It's not just, we think life is like, well, Monday morning, you know, commute, work, school, whatever, family, kids, friends, and parties, and the weekends, and church, and whatever. There are spiritual forces in this world who are not interested in seeing you grow in your faith, in prospering in your life with God, and not to freak you out, but there are forces that are working to sabotage your family from the life that God has for you. That's why he instructs us. He says, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, that flak jacket, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. What's the context of the Christian life biblically? This is war. Paul's like, I want you to wake up. You're not in Kansas anymore. If you wake up in a foxhole wearing a flak jacket with a stinger missile coming at you, where you think you are? <laughs> It's not a playground, it's a battleground. So get ready to move out of your comfort zone into the war zone. Do you have what you need? That's what Paul's basically asking here. Look at verse 17. He says, take the what? Let's say it together. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What's the story? This means war. And God's looking for men and women who are warriors. People of actually great courage, of compassion and creativity not just in like defending against the powers of temptation or something like that, but literally forcefully advancing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of goodness, making this broken world new. To us here at Liquid, it means taking church to the people really all over the tri-state area so that they can be baptized in this new life in Christ and establish in their own life this, this life to the full by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, I'm going to give you some weapons in this struggle. I'm going to give you the what? The helmet of salvation. In other words, it's about life and death. Everybody, we believe at Liquid, everybody spends forever somewhere. You may not know where. You may have that question mark in your head, but that's what we talk about salvation. Salvation of people we love hangs in the balance. God says, I'm going to give you the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You're holding that in your hands. This is God's field manual. That's why we teach from it. It tells us how do you live actually as a faithful 
warrior of Christ? How do you take hills? How do, how do we find power and strength to get through the days and the weeks? Life's a battle. And God says, I want to equip you for active duty so you can be effective in serving me and contending, really battling for the hearts and minds of those in your family, your friends who have yet to taste salvation. Now, the dirty little secret of most wars, at least in the physical world, is that um, the, the, the greatest casualty of any war, you may know this, is children, in fact. Uh, it's true. According to UNICEF, all the wars in the past decade, over half of all victims are kids under the age of 14. About 20% of all childhood deaths are from on, armed combat. About 30% of kids are injured or disabled, like in Central Africa or the Middle East. But again, that's the physical realm. And we're not just talking about child soldiers in Liberia or Uganda. Remember, war is a metaphor for the spiritual battle being waged every day. And um, in the lives of our own families, when you think about the kids in your family or the, the, the children, you know, in your, your classroom or, or in your church. For instance, when it, comes to, when it comes to the helmet of salvation, think about this for a minute. This is fascinating. Of, of a child coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, not just in their head, but in their heart. The childhood years are critical. Did you know this? 85% of all people that come to Christ do so before the age of 18. In other words, statistics, 85%, the majority of people who receive Jesus Christ as their Savior are kids. They're in elementary school, they're in middle school, they're tweeners, they're teens. As high as 85% of people put this helmet of salvation on before the age of 20. And you may be like, you know what, that's me. I'm, I thank God for that heritage. Or, or, or maybe you're like, man, I never heard of that. It's my first time. But before the age of 12, that's the majority of that 85%. And it's not surprising because the childhood years, when you think about it, you know, between like the ages of 2 and 12, it's like the spiritual window opens. Kids are never more receptive to hearing about the love of God than those primary years. After that, they, they become very more cynical, maybe like you are. Maybe you become more jaded. I don't know about this God thing. Why would God allow all this? But candidly, that's why I'm so grateful for the army of volunteers who serve our kids every Sunday at Liquid. Uh, as you know, we've been taking some hills recently in our church, and there are none that I'm more proud of than the incredible things God is doing through the leaders of our kids in this church. Two Sundays ago, we had what we call a salvation celebration, and it was incredible to watch um, where our kids, we led them in worship. Our volunteer leaders brought out their creativity kind of in a kinetic kind of teaching we use creative ways to make sure our kids understand the basic message of the gospel, that God loves them, their heavenly father. Jesus was sent to die for them. We use music. We use drama. And they have ongoing relationships with other adults, adults in their 20s, small group mentors, teachers. And then, look, at we acted out, man, the whole thing. And uh, we freaked out a few kids with that one. Uh, but then we give the kids a chance to respond, actually, to actually ask Jesus to be their friend forever, to invite Christ to not only forgive the sins in their life, but actually live in their heart. And that weekend, we had some absolutely stunning breakthrough. Um, this, this is incredible. All told, 54 little boys and little girls gave their life to Christ. Can we hear it for that? That's an amazing thing. I, out of my, this is kind of cool, out of my little helmet of salvation, we actually had, they wrote their names on little hearts and they put them on the cross. And here are a few of them. Here's Dougie. Here's Amelie. Here's India, here's Gabby, Brianna. We got a lot, well, look at this. Aiden, when I was looking through these, it just, I gotta be honest, man. Look at this, Cammy, Maddie. When I was reading through these guys, it, it got me right there because I have kids. Miguel, Rios, Zach, and it goes on and on. Actually, I'm gonna put one more up. This kid's name is Hezekiah. How cool is that? 
That's like, man, no, no wonder you were destined, man. You were marked at birth. I love that. What? Oh, no. There, go, there it goes. Well, sorry. We're going to... Oh, come on. Get back up there, kids. No, don't fall off the wagon yet. Wait till you're in middle school. Come on. Get up. Get up. When I, when, I, when I look at that, I'm like, you know, those are the little boys and little girls who put on the helmet of salvation for the first time. And when I look at that, that I'm like, that's central to the mission that God's given us as a church to lead the next generation into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have a window of opportunity in every kid's life in the battle for their heart. Our volunteer teachers and mentors, they give their best every Sunday because when it clicks, man, it is a beautiful thing. Um, I was reminded of this on Easter when a kid named Tyler was baptized. Tyler's nine years old. His father actually is a volunteer in uh, Liquid Kids, and he wrote this in his testimony. He said, I'm getting baptized because I understand Jesus can do a better job with my life than anyone else can. Amen? (laughs) That's precious, isn't that, man? I love that. That's a nine-year-old boy who the enemy is not going to get his hands on. That's powerful. The problem today is that this handful of hearts, statistically speaking, salvations of kids under the age of 15 are on the decline. It's part of kind of the breakdown of the family as as families kind of fracture and they splinter off. That legacy of spiritual faith gets compromised. For every generation, it's kind of like the generation before them has to have an intentional strategy to pass along that faith in a strategic way. And that's not happening in a lot of churches today, which is kind of tragic because the crisis is nothing new. I mean, we should have seen this coming. In the book of Judges in the Old Testament, it records how there there was a childhood crisis of faith that happened in the span of just one generation. Judges 2.10, look what this says. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. In other words, for centuries and centuries, decade after decade, generation after generation had passed on the faith successfully. Maybe you grew up that way and you're like, well, my daddy was a believer and his daddy was a believer. My grandpa knew Jesus and and just got passed down. If that's you, you're the exception. Today in the 21st century, with, with kind of biblical illiteracy, the whole, you know, breakdown of the family, all-time high, that chain of command has been broken. An entire generation is growing up who knows neither the Lord, God, Jesus who, nor what he had done for Israel. Where's the history? Most people are spiritually ignorant. That's what happened in the Old Testament. Entire generation grew up who couldn't see God clearly because the leadership of the people got fuzzy. They, they lost their sense of spiritual mission And the legacy of faith broke down, and it's tragic. But it happened 3,000 years ago, and it's still in danger of happening once again unless some people are willing to actually step up and say, you know what, give me the helmet. Give me the boots. I'm going after them. I'll fight for those kids. And today I'm going to ask some of you, challenge some of you to actually take that step and sign up to serve. This is your call to duty, and the needs at our church are mission critical. I, I can't explain this to you enough. In 10 years, we don't, we don't want a Judges 2 crisis on our hands where we say, well, you know, it's too hard. You know, we, we, we did our best, but, you know, we're just losing the kids. I don't know these kids nowadays. All they do is play video games. We don't want that. We say that's not acceptable. Kids growing up who don't know who their heavenly father is, that there's a God who actually loved them enough to die for them. And so our strategy for passing on the faith to the next generation is actually quite simple. Every spring... We recruit leaders who are compassionate. They love your kids. They are courageous. They don't shy away from the hard questions that come up. And they're creative. They understand that when you communicate the salvation message to the next generation, it may be like, you know, timeless, ancient message. You got to inject it with fresh life and communicate it in a fresh and compelling way. In fact, let me um, give you a quick example. This is kind of cool. 
um, of what the, um, of the children growing up in this church, how we help them get a clear picture of Jesus. We start with actually the basics. You get this? In other words, we, we believe like all kids are like a blank canvas. In other words, they're impressionable. They often come to our church without a preconceived notion of who God is. They say, well, I think he's up in the sky. I think it's like Santa. He lives up there somewhere. Adults actually don't have that benevolent view. We, we're like, no, I can't believe in a God who'd allow evil. We have our prejudices, our biases, but kids are more like a blank canvas. So we start with them. We say, there's, there's actually a God in heaven who loves you. He's your heavenly father. I don't know what your earthly father is like. You may not have one. He may have abandoned you. He may be emotionally distant, but this is the, the great father who loves you more than anything else. You are his child, and he longs to know you intimately. That God is all-powerful. He created everything that you see. He created in Genesis 1, it says, he created the land, the vegetation. He created the, the animals and the fish and the birds of, the, far, of, of, the, of the, uh, the sky and the fish in the sea. He created everything, including you, including man and including woman. That's what God does. He's a creator and you're a creative kid. And the reality is that's Genesis 1 and 2. And we spend a lot of time on that, 1 and 2. But then we actually talk about Genesis 3, where actually something was not good in this creation. Man rebelled, and sin enters the picture, and it actually creates this giant gap in our relationship with God. We have this gap, this chasm divides us. If he's up there and we're down here, how do we, how do we measure up? And what we realize is that as kids grow up, they try to fill in this void with all sorts of things. By third grade, they begin worrying about how popular they are. Do people like me? Thumbs up. <laughs> they begin worrying, all right, do I have friends who like me? Am I popular? Do I get accepted? And what they do is they begin choosing certain groups to see, do I fit here? They, they find a group they identify with. Maybe, you know, for, for some it's very benevolent. They try sports or something like that. So they say, oh, I'm part of that team or I'm part of that group and I like this music. And, and they find a group that says, I, I, I think that's going to fill in the void. I'm, not, I'm now a jock. I'm a muso. I'm a drama queen. I'm a nerd, whatever. They start to create an identity. The problem is by about fifth or sixth grade, middle school, yeah, they start experimenting. All sorts of things come to them that say, you know what? Here's what's going to fill that void. I'm going to fill that for you with whatever it is, alcohol, pot, whatever it is. And, and, and they start experimenting. They feel peer pressure to fit in with the crowd and whatever it takes to fill that void. And you know what? Parents go along with this all the time. I was talking about Jay, who actually teaches high school, and, and he was telling me, he goes, incredibly, some of my athletes, they, had, they got drunk over the weekend. And I said, where were the parents? He said, the parents hosted the party. Because they thought that was a great idea. If I can get all the kids in the basement, then they can just kind of, you know, drink down there and pass out, and at least they'll be safe. I was like, man, that's given up. That's given up the battle. Whatever it takes, guys. There's a lot of pressure on kids nowadays, particularly in our, in our neck of the woods. Maybe they feel the pressure to get good grades, get a scholarship, go to a, a new school, you know, a good school, and, and, and kind of achieve what it is, you know, that their parents want them to. And then when you get to high school, man, you don't have to wait till high school. But this is like, you add this one to the mix, woo! Now you got something special there. That is a toxic cocktail. That's what you call adolescence. And the world, think about what the world is telling them how to fill that void. They're saying, I want you to, uh, I want you to uh, be, live large, have fun, be a superstar, make your mark, and you know what, party while you're doing it. And it's no wonder more and more kids are leaving the faith before or after the age of 18. With all that stuff seeking to fill in the void, their view of God gets obscured. They can't see him clearly anymore. They start seeing all of this 
stuff, and they miss him. And they literally lose sight of the one who gave his life for them. And it's why so many kids abandon the faith after, after college. Our mission, guys, with the next generation is literally to remove these obstacles and reframe the issue. Not that these are bad. We say, you know what? Hey, it's great to have friends. We encourage that. Yeah, not just church friends, but friends who are out there and need to know about Jesus. Hey, it's great to do sports and figure out, you know, where you fit in and everything. Get good grades. We're all about education. That's super. And you know what? We're a church that's going to talk about this stuff. We ain't going to be hear no evil, see no evil. So we're going to talk about controversial stuff. We're going to talk about hot button topics. We don't shy away from any of that stuff. And that's what we talk with your kids about. But we don't shy away from the hard issues because we're like, we live in a real world and we believe it's the church's job to restore the picture of God so they can actually see God's perspective on all these key areas of their life. And we do that in love. We're like, you know what? You see that God who made you? He actually has something to say about these challenges. No matter how dark it gets, because adolescence, you know what it's called? It's called the dark and stormy season. Anybody with a teenager, anybody with middle school, it can get very dark for them all of a sudden. They start lifting the goth music. And, you know, they get very fatalistic about things. And we say, you know what? It doesn't matter. This is the God who wants to walk with you through these dark and stormy and turbulent times. Kids watch their, their, their parents get divorced. They, they get cynical about, you know, all the failures in institutions, and they just start saying, man, this whole thing's a racket. And we say, this is the God who sent his son down to this earth, entered that pain of humanity, that whole mess, that dark mess, and he did it to give you life, and he loves you. And we're trying to paint this compelling picture of their heavenly father that helps them understand that he unconditionally loves them no matter what in Jesus. Because of Christ, their lives have significance beyond their friends, beyond their achievements, their family of origin, their failures, beyond all of that is this God who conceived them in love, sent his son to forgive their sins, and then gives his spirit actually to fill their heart. That's the message, guys, that our volunteer leaders give every week to our kids. We have so many heroic leaders who are trying to color in this picture of God for the next generation. I think of heroes like Gemma McRae. She's a senior in high school, and she leads worship with our kids in the morning, and she is just sold out for God in New Brunswick. Hannah Hugger, she's one of our key lead teachers in elementary, and she is on fire. Mark Dancy, I love that guy. He's a big teddy bear. The kids, like, crawl over him like Clifford the Big Red Dog. Joni Alfers, she's our early childhood uh, teacher, and it goes on and on and on and on at every campus. But the reality is this, guys. Maybe you never had someone like that in your life who, who kind of colored in the picture of God. Maybe it was just dark for you. I had a guy named Mr. Tookmanian at the church I grew up in. We called him Tookie. He was this squat little guy, looked like the Tasmanian devil, like all forearms and like, you know, five four. And he wore this ill-fitting tie, like his neck kind of bulged. But what he would do is he would bribe us with butterscotch candies. You remember those butterscotch candies, Mrs. Worth's? And they were always warm because they'd been in his pocket a long time. Which is kind of weird. <laughs> But took you and say, okay, Timmy, tell me John 3.16. And I was just like, for God so loved the world, I gave his only begotten son. You know, I was just like, I don't care if those things are warm and fuzzy. I, I just want the candy. And Mr. Tookie, Tookie invested in the lives of 10 12-year-old boys. And for that, that guy should get combat pay because he's like, I want you guys to see Jesus and understand he's the love of my life and he can be the love of yours. And so guys, understand this at Liquid. We don't do babysitting. Our, our leaders don't do, don't do flannel graphs. That's not what this is. Do you know what our kids' leaders do? They lodge an anchor in the hearts of those little boys and those little girls it's, from which we hope they'll never recover, an anchor of God's love, so that when they hit middle school 
or these issues come up in high school, they may drift, but they won't be lost. Because we have leaders who are helping kids see the love of Jesus as the most powerful force in the world. And that no matter where they go, wherever life takes them on their journey, he will never let them go. So understand this, especially if you, if you have kids and you entrust them to us here at this church. We have one single overarching goal. Whether they are two years old and they're just starting to toddle. <laughs> or maybe they're seven years old and they're starting to ask those tougher questions. Or maybe they're a 12-year-old and they're kind of on the cusp of those awkward middle school years. Or you have teens who are, <laughs> are knee-deep in all these issues surrounding them. We have one simple goal for every child in this church. We want to help them see Jesus in everything. Are you ready? Count to three with me. Three, two, one. Can you see him, Liquid Church? That's our goal for the kids that they would begin seeing their world from his perspective. And we do this every weekend in creative ways. It may be an ancient message, but we realize we have to constantly reinvent the way we help the next generation view Christ himself. We got to give them a new lens through which to view the world. It's called a Christ-centered worldview. And we help them see Jesus in compelling ways so that when they grow up and it comes time to make their faith their own, they choose him over everything else. Amen? That's our goal. That's why we do what we do here at Liquid Kids. And this is just one example, guys, of the kind of creativity with which we communicate to the next generation. In fact, uh, so much of the creativity in our kids' ministry, we get a lot of people just like, man, you guys are so creative. Really flows from its talented director, Hostel Siegel. She's going to be embarrassed. But I'm Hostel. Could you come on, come on out here for a moment? Give this girl a hand. Give that lady a hand. Is she amazing? She's the champ. She's like, I hate you right now. I'm glad. Thank you, Hostel. Hosil and her team of incredible leaders, they do this every Sunday. They're like, our only goal is to help kids see Jesus. They may not see anything else. They may be confused. They may be adrift. But we're like, we want people to join us and help that next generation see Christ clearly. Because we ain't going to grow up and allowing a Judges 2 thing to happen where the next generation knew neither the Lord nor what he's done. This mission is critical. The need is acute. Early this spring, um, Hosil knocked on the door of my office and uh, she said, uh, we have an issue. And whenever the kid's director says, we have an issue, you worry. Uh. And, uh, and, and she goes, no, no, it's a good problem to have. And she said, we're kind of going through a growth spurt right now with our kids. And I said, oh, I know what that is. You know, the, the kids grow up and their pants are floods and now they don't fit. You got to give them new shoes, a growth spurt. I get it. And she said, no, it's more dramatic than that. And then she showed me this chart. Check, take a look at this. It shows how over the first four months of this year, four months, our attendance at Liquid Kids has grown by 30%. You see this up and to the right. This is from December 2010 through this April. We have had the greatest number of children come to our church to what? Hear about him. We have had over 300 kids packed into our classroom last Sunday alone. You understand 300 kids? That's bigger than the average adult attendance at most churches in America. 300 is like an army all its own. And that's God at work. He's just drawing little boys, little girls to actually see his son and give their lives to him. And that's awesome. But the problem, Hosil said, is that the reproduction of new kids in this church is outpacing our reproduction of new leaders. Literally, there are more new babies being born in our church than leaders being born to love on them. So I just want to take this moment to celebrate parents. Great job at procreation. Look at you. Be fruitful and multiply. You got it down. I get it. 
but we got a baby boom. And so here's the sobering reality. Last month, we actually had to turn families away from our toddler and infant rooms, our classrooms in Morristown. Why is that? Because we're not reproducing leaders quick enough to keep up with the growth God's bringing. That's a sobering reality. That cut, that, that's like, man, that's like an arrow to my heart. To, to think that there's, you know what it's like to have like a nervous young couple take the risk to visit this weird cultish church for the first time, man. And they come to the door with the fear and trembling. They hold their firstborn. They're like, flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. And we're like, sorry, we, we, we don't have leaders to care for him or her. That sucks. I don't have any other way to say it. That is a mission failure. And candidly, guys, we need an army of adults to say, I'll roll up my sleeves and do whatever it takes. I will rock babies. I will scoop up goldfish. I'll wipe noses. I'll serve those kids. And some people are stepping up, thank God. This is kind of a fun story. Um, There's a couple, Jane and David Deutsch. They have two girls, Sophie and Emily, five and two years old. And they were one of the couples we actually had to turn away and say, we don't have enough people to hold all the babies. And we said, they said, well, we want to be part of the solution. And so they started serving the following Sunday. And now both husband and wife serve twice a month. And I was like, that's the spirit. It's all hands on deck. Every able-bodied adult to the front line. So I said to myself, I said, how many people would it take to turn the tide of this? I mean, how many men and women could you use just to serve two Sundays, okay, two services every month, and it would be like a game changer? And she didn't bat an eye. She said, Tim, 200. If I had 200 new recruits who'd be willing to serve at two services every month to help kids what? See Jesus, it would change everything. It would turn the tide. We'd be able to keep up with the growth God's bringing us. So our big, hairy, audacious goal is today, could we recruit 200 people at all of our campuses who'd be willing to step up, report for duty, and say, I'll serve two times a month because that generation is going to know about the Lord. And there goes kids, those little boys, those little girls who are going to see Jesus for the first time. And they do it out of love. They serve out of love. See, only love for Christ Your love for Christ can explain what our leaders do every week at Liquid Kids. Whether it's working with toddlers or fifth grade boys, for which there should be combat bay, by the way, okay? Love is what fuels our mission. Only love can explain what Kristen Serio does every week at Liquid Kids to help the next generation see Jesus. Here's a picture of a woman who is on a mission. Hi, my name is Kristen. I serve on Sundays in Liquid Kids. I'm actually the large group director, which essentially means that I coach both the host and the large group teacher and help to make the, their lesson um, that much better. After relocating here in the fall, starting to attend Liquid, uh, I really loved the church. My husband and I became members in the, in the new year. I came forward and said, I'd like to get involved. Where can you use me? Basically, on a Sunday morning, I arrive around 8.30. Um, we have a little team huddle, pump-up prayer, and we basically go through what they're going to um, perform for the children. To be part of that, to be part of their young spiritual journey is so awesome. My husband and I are at our spiritual high right now. We love Liquid. We love the church and the message. We love our life group, but serving has been a whole different element. I work with some incredible people. They make my job easy. Um, For example, Bobby, he 
is already on fire, ready to go when I get there. And so much fun to work with. We literally, our enthusiasm builds on each other and we just pump each other up and have so much fun. And then out comes this incredible performance. So it's been an honor working with a group of teachers and hosts. I, I really feel um, blessed to have such a great team. Just serving has been so incredibly rewarding and filling up our spiritual tank. Can we hear it for Kristen and our legion of lion-hearted leaders at all of our campuses? Thank you for the investment you are making. We're looking for 200 people, warriors, men and women who actually stand the gap and join Kristen in the spring, actually say, I will serve twice a month to help the next generation see Jesus clearly. Kristen is not alone. Um, every Sunday at each campus, there are dozens of heroes, men and women who, um, who help our kids see Christ clearly. Katie Ames, Louis Tikus. Men like Mike Ruiz. He, Mike serves as a small group leader in our elementary division. Mike is awesome. He makes the room just kind of zzz, zzz, hum with energy. We need energetic people. Our small group leaders, basically, they invest in the lives of like 8 to 12 kids. They play with them. They pray with them. They discuss the lesson that's taught on stage. And they are heroes. I mentioned Mike because we got an email from this one mom. Her son's in Mike's small group. And uh, he's 9 years old. And she said, I had this conversation with him. He said, it was a long day, mom. And she said, was it good or bad? And he said, no, it was a good day. And she said, what's the best part? And here's what he said. He said, the best part was being with my small group leader. Mike's the best. I had so much fun, and his favorite toy is Lego, too. And she wrote, me, silently thrilled. <laughs> Thanks for serving my family. Do you understand the significance of what happens when adults invest in kids, especially men, men like Mike? In a day and age when so many families are breaking down, maybe the only consistent male presence in that boy's life may be at this church. And when men like Mike and Doug and Dave, John Kabisky, when an adult man or a guy in his 20s, just out of college, takes time to invest in the generation of boys below him, guess what? Those boys see Jesus, not a wussified Jesus, the strength and integrity of Jesus. And they get a clear picture of him. One kid wrote, I think I get the best small group leader because we have our own secret code and handshake. The whole point, guys, if you miss the big eye on the eye chart, is that Judges 2 ain't going to happen at this church. Not on my watch, not with these kind of leaders. We're going to have a generation that comes to see Christ clearly, sees the miracle of salvation, and even more experiences the love and care of Jesus firsthand. So I want you to think back because maybe you didn't have that. Maybe no adults poured into your life when you were young and you wish you had that kind of influence when you were a kid. This is your chance to literally change that for the next generation, but we need your help. We need an army. 200 new recruits, that's a lot, but we need people to raise their hands and say, you know what, count on me. I'll serve wherever you need me most. I wanna, I'm gonna help those kids. They are gonna see Jesus this spring. They're gonna see Jesus this fall. I can invest an hour and a half on a Sunday. On the back of your connection card today, we're giving you a chance to say, I'm going to make that difference today. It actually says, you can just say, I'll, I'll, I want to join. I'll serve with Liquid Kids. And here's the deal. We're going to train you, and you're going to serve with some of the most talented and creative people you will ever meet. It'll be among the most rewarding work you will ever know because we need people who are in the creative arts. We need musicians. We need artists. We need funny folks, people like being on stage. We need people behind the scenes to greet parents, check kids in, actually make first-time guests are, are actually registered. 
especially if you know you're going to the Montclair campus that launches this fall. Okay, if you're like, well, I'm going to Montclair. Sign up to serve now this spring so we can train you. And parents, don't worry. We actually screen our volunteers, okay? You can't like walk in the street and say, oh, I want to paint Jesus and hold the babies. You actually have to, you go through a background check, all right? We do extensive background check of every volunteer who applies to serve with the kids. So, so anyone can apply, all right? You can check that, but we do have high standards. In fact, there's one special area. Um, we're praying God is actually going to raise up a leader out of our services today to step up and help with. Um, this is a special need. God has opened a door here at Liquid um, for kids who have learning disabilities. Um, we now have over 30 kids who have challenges ranging from Down syndrome to ADHD to autism. And over the last six months, we've had more and more families with special needs who are checking out a church saying, is there a place for my child? And this new ministry, it's close to our hearts, honestly, because New Jersey, it has the highest rate of kids on the autistic spectrum in the entire nation. And we want to provide one-on-one support for each of them. So we are looking. We're looking. Is there anything closer to the father's heart than a child who struggles like that? I'm like, God, raise someone up. Raise up a platoon of leaders who would say, you know what? I'll give my life for that one child to help him or her see his Savior. If that's close to your heart, just write special needs on your card today. Write special needs. I can help. I don't know how. I'm not trained. We'll train you. (laughs) Jesus goes, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So we need your hands. We need your heart. If you feel that in your heart right now, don't quench that. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. He's raising you up. Check that box. Get plugged in this spring. What I want to close with um, is a little preview of what's coming up this summer for our kids, um, not just in our church, but actually in our cities because we want to serve them too. You've probably heard rumors. You're, You're like, what's Camp Rock? You've heard rumors that Justin Bieber's coming to Liquid. Yeah, you've heard that? It's true. No, it's not. But this July, we are launching for the first time a week-long arts and music camp for kids entering second through eighth grade. Um, You guys know, obviously, media, music, it's a big part of the way we communicate the gospel at Liquid. And it's really, God's put on our heart to reach the next generation through the arts. And so for a week in July, we need volunteers to help our kids learn the ropes in music, video, or stage performance. Our goal is to help like, kind of develop their confidence, their creative talents. They're the next generation who are going to be leading the church, as well as to share the gospel of Jesus. We want them to see their Savior. So if you're willing to volunteer for a week or even a few days of your July vacation, maybe you're home from school for the summer, come help. Help kids see Jesus. It's going to rock. Here's a quick profile of what you can expect. So we're the, we're the Robinsons. I'm JP, and this is Samantha Robinson. Uh, we started coming to Liquid in 2010. I was impressed with the, um, the music. We were blown away with the music and the worship band, but also the, um, the kids' ministry and, and the knowledge and the passion that the, uh, the pastors spoke with. Camp Rock is a, a one-week odyssey of parent-free rock and roll, creative arts, dance, 
rolled up into one. And like Glee and Green Day and Hannah Montana, Hannah all Montana, in one. all mixed together. For us, the most exciting thing about Camp Rock is that you know, there's nothing like it for kids to go to. It's a chance for us to use the gifts God has given us to bless these kids with just this incredible opportunity that they may not have had otherwise. So why have they asked my wife to, to help teach? Because she's a professional dancer and she's one of the best. She's been a rockette. She's been a teacher to hundreds of kids, maybe even thousands. JP is, is getting involved in Camp Rock because he um, is in the music industry. Day in and day out works with all of these music artists that these kids are listening to. Some of the artists I've worked with are Justin Bieber, uh, Rihanna, Jay-Z, Kanye West, Bon Jovi, Snoop Dogg. You should send your kids to Camp Rock because it's going to be an awesome, fun week for them, unlike any summer camp they've ever been to. Because it's going to be a great confidence builder. It's going to give them great positive self-image, teach them God's love, and it's with great trusted leaders in their community. This is definitely not going to be your boring vacation Bible school. It ain't going to be your mama's vacation Bible school. We need to say that. Justin Bieber is not coming. Jay-Z is. No. That's not. Ooh, wait. Camp Rock is really our outreach, not just to the kids in this church, but really to the kids in the city. Um, we are giving scholarships to every kid who can't afford it. Um, we want no kid to be denied. And so parents, make sure your kids are registered first and foremost. And if money is an issue, we're going to make it work. But the dates are July 5th through the 10th in New Brunswick. It's July 11th through 15th in Morristown. And the idea is to have your kids invite their friends. Maybe this is the first step for them in actually seeing Jesus for who he really is. And maybe for the first time in a creative way, the kids are actually going to be um, learning from professional musicians. You heard professional dancers. We have incredibly talented people in this church. We're going to have a house band, and the kids will learn how to play in the band. One of the women actually leading our vocal track, this is fascinating, she was in Phantom of the Opera. She's Christine on, on Broadway. So we have some incredibly talented people. And we're going to teach the kids how to shoot, edit video, photography. Uh, there's a dance track, so you can drop it like it's hot. I don't know what that means. I don't, let's have this written down here. Um, <laughs> all this to say, it, it is going to rock. So we need you to volunteer this July. Even if like, you're like, I'm a totally unhip, uncool dad, uh, but I have a week of vacation, and I'm going to sacrifice and actually help register kids. Maybe you have gifts in these areas. Maybe you're like, I'm creative. I, I'm, a, I'm a photographer. We're looking for artists to coach the kids. We're looking for teens. If you're home for the summer, you're a college-age student. You could be a small group leader. There's nothing cooler to a seven-year-old boy than a 17-year-old big brother to look up to who's not his actual brother. So, <laughs> so check that box. We will plug you right in. Maybe you have no talent, but you could donate a couple days, shake your booty with him. We'll find a spot. Drop this in the bucket. We're going to pass this around one minute after I pray. And then would you help us get the word out? Um, we have brochures at guest services, and you can invite your friends to attend. And uh, what's kind of cool is at the end of our camp, um, you're going to see some of the original creative elements that the kids design in our adult service. Uh, they'll have a DVD of their performance. It's going to be great. So that's the mission, guys. We need all hands on deck. 200 people who will say, you know what, I'm in. I am reporting for duty because I have no greater desire than to help the next generation, what? See Jesus. We want them to see Christ clearly. And I'm praying because of what you decide to do right now, a child may see Jesus forever and put on that helmet of salvation for good. Amen? I hope you see Christ clearly today and respond because he's the one calling us to this mission together. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you right now for the lives um, that are changing. God, whole families are, um, have been changed at this church for eternity. 
because of what you're doing through our volunteers. So today, we're praying right now for the next generation, Lord, that a generation of leaders would rise up right now in this moment. Let them rise up and respond to this need. Lord, we're inspired because once upon a time, someone came to serve us. Someone took the time to invest in our lives and show us the love of Christ. Father, I thank you for Tuki in my life. I want to pass that on, Lord. So right now, would you bless our volunteers with a double portion of your grace? God, give everyone here today about to serve. Just give them, anoint them with your spirit. Would you confirm it in their heart, especially those who are responding to the special needs of our kids, and equip them for the battle ahead. We follow your lead, Jesus. Thank you for letting us see your salvation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.